or um, yeah, setting up my unconscious beliefs about alcohol, uh, my non-negotiables. What am I? What am I not willing to do for the sake of alcohol? And so all this stuff is in my brain, and I'm writing it down on sticky notes every morning when I'm getting ready. You know. I had all of these crazy beliefs about the benefits of alcohol to me. And I started started sorting through those. I had so much in my brain that I felt like I just needed to get that out to somebody that, you know, wasn't a family or friend, but really somebody that was um, a counselor or coach or um, somebody that could help me that's that could sort through this. So that's when I reached out to um, one of the coaches in the program. And that, um, that's that been life-changing. I've made it through hard times before, and I've come out stronger and better because of them. I'm going to make it through this. Sobriety is scary. That's why Untapped Keg explores different perspectives of sobriety and mental health, so that you know you are not alone. Hopefully, you can find something you can implement into your own life. Sobriety and mental health are topics that often are uncomfortable and complex. We do not shy away from any conversation. But you should know we try to be respectful. But there's always room to learn and grow. Everyone is welcome here, as you are, and you will be respected. We are not medical professionals and do not give medical advice. Please seek medical care if you need it. Now let's get to the show. Hey you, thanks for tapping into some Untapped Keg, podcast where we explore the different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you can take something and implement it into your own life. We believe that the only right way to go alcohol-free, sober, change your life is the way that works for you. I'm RJ Zimmerman, and I have been sober for nine years, and I started this podcast so that you don't feel alone. Before we get into today's episode, let's talk about coaching. If you're interested in mentorship for getting sober and thriving in sobriety, book a free call with Jake Yoder, founder of the Natural Highs Coaching Program, which uses mindfulness and holistic health to help you cultivate inner peace and find purpose in your sober life. Jake has been on a recovery and spiritual growth journey for nine years and has helped hundreds of people all over the world with mindset and lifestyle shifts to reach new levels of well-being in sobriety. On the call, Jake will help you explore the root causes of the suffering that led to addiction and provide you insights and resources to help you feel great naturally in sober life. So that's Jake Yoder at Natural Highs Recovery. We endorse him as a coach at Untap Keg, and the reason is because he cares more about you, the person, than he does about the money that's coming in. He's going to take care of you. And if it's not a fit, he's not going to take you on as a client. So follow the link below if you'd like to book a free call to see if Jake is somebody you'd be interested in. And that leads nicely to today's episode where I'm talking with my friend and fellow coach in training over at This Naked Mind, Karen King. How are you doing today, Karen? Hey, RJ. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm so uh, excited to be here. I'm I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk because every time we talk, it's it's fun. There's laughter and there's nuggets of wisdom. And yeah, that has me excited today. 
So, Karen, for people just meeting you for the first time, who are you? Ah, good question. Um, yeah, um, I actually, I grew up in a strict religious home um, where alcohol wasn't allowed. And my parents never drank. My grandparents never drank. I don't even think I'd ever even seen alcohol until I was in high school. Um, uh, but in high school and college, I did the normal drinking thing that um, kids do. Nothing out of the ordinary, okay? But um, it wasn't until I was in my 40s um, through a series of traumatic events that alcohol became something that I turned to um, to numb out and cope uh, with life. Um, when I was 40, uh, my husband passed away from cancer. And um, <clears throat> he left me and uh, my two daughters. Uh, they were 11 and 8 at the time. And um, it was a really hard time. It was a really hard time for me and my daughters. Um, but I will say that my biggest driving force in life has always been my kids, my daughters. And so I knew I needed to um, be there for them and uh, go through the grieving process, help them through the grieving process and uh, pick, pick myself up and provide a home for them. So um, I did, you know, we, we, I did fairly well at that actually looking back now. Um, I'm glad so you're giving I, yourself credit because that's not yeah, an easy thing it, to navigate in life. Yeah. And it took a while for me to, to give myself credit. And I didn't realize how difficult that was until 20 years later, looking back upon that time. That's what's crazy is you just, you go through stuff and you don't realize how strong that you really, really are. And I'm thankful for that to know that um, my strength. Um, so um, a couple of years after uh, my husband passed, I started um, dreaming of having an, a home for my children with a mom and a dad. And um, so I, I uh, married again. And um, I actually would call that a rebound marriage. Um, it's, um, it was difficult. It was difficult for me. It was difficult on my daughters. Um, but I will say that the one thing is I have no regrets about that marriage because from that marriage, I uh, was born my third daughter and she, I was 43 years old. Um, she was a huge gift um, to me and her sisters. It was amazing. And she still to this day um, is the joy of our lives. She um, brings so much energy and joy and uh, vitality to us and, um, I will never have regrets for that, but I will say that the marriage um, was difficult. It was very, very difficult, and that's where I began drinking to um, soothe myself and to um, cope in this difficult situation. And so I stayed in the marriage for seven years, and during that seven years, um, I coped with alcohol. That was my go-to, and. Um, after about seven, after seven years, I, we divorced. And I'll tell you, that was one, another one of those really low times of my life. I just, I felt so um, beaten down and washed up and 
just a shell of myself. Just, I mean, it was, it was a tough time. Um, but there again, my driving force was my children. And now I had three daughters that I needed to take care of. And I was their only natural parent that was going to take care of them. And so um, I wanted to provide a good life for, for my daughters. And so I decided to re-enter the corporate world. I'm an accountant. And I was 50 years old. Um, I hadn't worked outside the home for 20 years. But I knew that that was my avenue to um, provide a good life for my for my daughters. And so actually, one of my mottos is, and it's still to this day, this um, is never too late, never give up. Um, because I, um, you know, I had my, my youngest daughter at 43. I entered the corporate world back in the corporate world at 50. I became a finance exec at 52 and I was on the board of directors at 55. And so I, um, that's incredible. (laughs) I just want to point a spotlight at it. Like that's to, I'm sure it was so nerve wracking to jump back into the corporate world that much of a gap and then to have success like that like that's that's incredible and um i could tell from the look on your face for those who are listening like you could see the big smile on karen's face like she understands how special that is but i want to point out also and give you your you know your flowers that that is that is incredible it um I didn't realize it there again. I didn't realize it at the time. You know, Mm -hmm. you just don't realize what you can accomplish in life and and you don't fully um, embrace it until after, you know, we try to live in the present moment, but sometimes you just don't realize, you know, what you have done and what you've been through and how strong that we really, really are. Um, So, uh, yeah, it was incredible. But the, the downside of that story is that um, that like there again? That is when alcohol um, entered my life again and became a big part because we were out every day after work, um, uh, drinking, uh, fancy restaurants, bars. Um, it was a huge part of of my fun was the drinking, and um, it was fun for a very short while until it wasn't any fun anymore, right? It started controlling me, it started controlling my life. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you one of the most horrific things and most traumatic things, really, that's ever happened to me that, um, of course, impacted my daughters. So one day, um, my nine-year-old, my youngest, was off of school. And um, I was home working. And I was day drinking all day, sitting at the kitchen table with my computer, just uh, working, drinking away. And I passed out later that afternoon. I passed out. My daughter saw me and was, of course, terrified. I'm thankful that she knew enough to run to the neighbor's house to get help. The ambulance was called. The police were called. My two older daughters were called. And um, my daughter had to watch, my youngest daughter and my older ones too, had to watch me carried out on a a stretcher into the ambulance. And 
for a lot of, I mean, well, million reasons you can imagine it was horrible, but here I am, a single mom who who just takes so much pride in the mom that I am and providing for my children. That has been my driving force. And here I am being carried off on that stretcher. And my children instinctively know I am their only natural parent that is caring for them. And so it was, it was horrible. And it was, it was humiliating. Um, I was charged with a misdemeanor. I was put on probation for two solid years. I had to call in to the courts every single day to see if I needed to go in and give a urine sample to, so the courts would know I wasn't drinking or not. Uh, they wouldn't let me travel out of town to see my daughters. They, I had to meet with my probation officer periodically, and um, it was um, it was humiliating. It was it was it was a very low time of my life. And um, but thankfully, um, I passed all my requirements and fulfilled my requirements after nine months. And I was um, I was taken off probation. My record was expunged. Thankfully, here is the craziest part of this story. And the worst part of the story is I would love to sit here and tell you right now that that is when I gave up alcohol. But guess what? It was five more years before I began the journey to rid alcohol from my life. And that is how insidious and addicting that alcohol is. So I, I uh, think that's, I mean, that's a, a very, thank you for sharing that story because it's difficult. And you're, that's where you really see alcohol being sewn into every fabric of society. Like it's not just the physical and everything. It's that you feel like you're losing out on life at first, or when you have the prospects of giving up alcohol, you feel like you're losing a piece of your life. And that's where talking about these things helps. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, be kind to yourself that you didn't know any better and you did the best with the information that you had. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so true. Um, so. During that next five years, a couple more bad incidences happened that my kids witnessed. And after five years, I was like, I got to do something. This is crazy. I don't want to be the drunk mom anymore. And I certainly don't want to be a drunk grandma someday, you know, who gets prohibited from seeing their grandkids. And so it was terrifying. And I didn't know what to do. This would have been um, 2017. I didn't know what to do. So the only thing I knew was to call AA. And so I went to my first meeting in April of um, 2017. And um, I met a lot of great people in AA. I, for the next three years, I was probably, I would say I was probably 75% alcohol free. I had a lot of wins. Um, but after three years, I was like, something is missing. I need something else. Um, I need uh, it, it just, I, I wanted to be a hundred percent free. Okay. 
And so um, this good friend of mine in AA and I decided, or we heard about this book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. So we read the book and um, and then it was fascinating because here's all this new and fresh information and and um, all this scientific information about your brain and alcohol. And it was fascinating. So my friend and I did the 30-day alcohol experiment. And then over time, we joined their one-year program called um, The Path. And I will say that four weeks into that PATH program, I had my last drink. And that was December 6, 2021. And um, yes. And I will say that I could have never imagined what this life would be after alcohol. It is unimaginable how grateful I am for this life I have now. So I'm going to summarize it for you. Um, This is what I'm going to tell you is that um, I would say about three months before getting alcohol free was my most miserable. And I told my husband at the time, I said, I've got to stop drinking. I'm not going to be here anymore. And I would describe myself at that time as this is how I describe myself. Semi-retired finance exec, recent empty nester, who sat around eating, drinking, scrolling my phone, and watching reality TV, wondering, uh, is this all there is that remains of life, you know? So I did two things. Got rid of alcohol, (laughs) and I got a life coach um, through this naked mind. And so I would say over this last year, my life has literally I mean, literally transformed and I'm just, I'm so grateful. So you're going to ask me how I would describe myself now. So I'm going to tell you, this is how (laughs) I would describe myself now. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So are you ready? Um, Author? No, no, no. Back up. Right now, currently, I'm going to describe myself as writer, creator, motivator, coach and teacher and someday soon author speaker mountain climber and grandma so oh yes (laughs) all right that's awesome uh (laughs) congratulations like thank you sharing your story it gets easier but it's never easy and I want to commend you on that because it is you you never know how people are going to react. So I appreciate you doing that. And I appreciate you also, you know, the positives that are in there. Like one thing that I've learned because for so long I wanted to bring the negatives up is that when you bring the negatives up, you bring the positives down and you really do kind of sit in that middle and there's not much in between. So when you're grateful for being able to learn lessons from your past, no matter how painful, it really sets you up to be where you are now, which is, you know, laughing, smiling, talking about how the future is going to be like excited. And you're not sitting there thinking, what is left of life? I, 
I know there's something more. I know there's a change that I need to make. What could it possibly be? So when you, when you're doing, let's say the path, you're doing this interesting learning about alcohol, its effect on you. And you reached out for a life coach. What prompted you to reach out for that coach? Oh, good question. Okay. So um, my friend from AA that I was telling you about, um, she had actually joined a path before I did. Um, and so she knew, um, she knew the process. And so when I was talking to her about it, I said, when I knew I needed to do something more, uh, get into some kind of a program, I said, should I get into that path program with others in this com- wonder in this community? I didn't know was how wonderful it was. It's amazing. Um, or should I just get one of their coaches? And she said, go into the program. And she said, then when you're in the program, if you feel like you need additional help, then you can always see which coach you connect with and contact them. So I was in the program for um, a couple months and then my brain goes into overdrive. My brain just loves to sort through stuff and think about stuff. And um, I was literally in overdrive with um, setting up um, my, or um, yeah, setting up my unconscious beliefs about alcohol uh, my non-negotiables. What am I? What am I not willing to do for the sake of alcohol? And so all this stuff is in my brain, and I'm writing it down on sticky notes every morning when I'm getting ready. You know, I had all of these crazy beliefs about the benefits of alcohol to me, and I started started sorting through those. I had so much in my brain that I felt like I just needed to get that out to somebody that you know wasn't a family or friend, but really somebody that was um, a counselor or coach or um, somebody that could help me that's that could sort through this. So that's when I reached out to um, one of the coaches in the program. And that um, that's been life changing. And, you know, one thing that we talk about coaches, but I, another word that we could really put in there is, you know, mentor. And we lose sight of how important mentors are in our life. Like I've had them at every step. Have they always been positive? Have they always been people who um, had my best interest at heart? And have they always been like life-changing, life-altering? No, but that doesn't mean you can't find someone. That doesn't mean you can't connect with them and reach out, have someone to help guide you. So you're going through this path. You get a life coach and they're helping guide you with all this new information you have. You making your, you're finally, instead of waiting for life to come to you, you're creating the life that you want to live. Exactly. When does it strike you that you want to give back in a bigger way and look into becoming a coach? Okay. Look, um, can I go back and just say something yeah, related to absolutely, a coach? Absolutely. Okay. Here is, here's two things. One is a coach, but also a friend can see things in us that we can't see. Right. Yes. I mean, we can be faced. We could see something in our friend 
and help them with that that we don't even see in ourselves until somebody else points it out. Okay, now take that one step up and a coach, what they do is, is unlike a friend, a coach is there just to coach you and to um, be there for you. So we nurturing types then who, who want to help everybody and automatically when somebody is helping us, then in the back of our, their, our minds, we are thinking, how am I going to help? How am I going to turn around and help them? So we really, well, let me step back. So therefore, a coach is not bringing their stuff into the relationship. Therefore, the client has an opportunity to completely let go and be guided and be coached without having those worries like you would with a friend to make sure that you're giving back and that you're allowing time for them, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I got this visual in my head as you were saying that last part, like it really is somebody who will sit down next to you, open up your bags, open up the baggage that we all have and sort it with you, fold things, yes, organize and be like, you're still carrying this. You don't need it anymore. Let's toss it if you want and allow the person to make that decision. Like that's that visualization that I just had and then helping people carry that, that as well. Like that is so powerful. I love the way that you broke that down. That was, uh, that was amazing. Thank you for breaking that down. Yeah, sure. And so that's, that's, what's been instrumental. And even we, we types like you and I coaches in training, we want to always give back. So it's hard then when you have a coach and we have that desire to give back but then um, because coaches are professionals, they are highly trained. They know they are there to um, just meet our needs. They are not bringing their, dumping their stuff into the bag that you were just talking about, okay? So that is the difference between a coach and a friend. You know, of course, the yes. high, high degree of training, but also that they're not bringing their stuff into the relationship. They are there for us. We can release our need to have to care for them, which is hard to do, but that's, you know, it is very hard to do. It's very hard to do, (laughs) but in order, and the coach knows that in order for us to reach our full potential, they must set that boundary and it must it's it's hard to call it a one-way relationship, but you know what I mean by that. They must set that boundary because they have to know inside that this is what's best for the client is they're not bringing their stuff in there. And that's why you and I, like when we're going to be coaching with our other uh, coaches in training, we have to continually grow and be the best we can because we don't want to bring our stuff into the mix uh, with our clients, we want to help them. We want to guide them. We want to teach them, motivate them, be there for them, plant seeds for them, etc. And 
you know, when you're your best self, but you've experienced lows, right? You, you can be there at a level and then you're growing and you're allowing yourself to be sad and, (laughs) you know, not be proud of things you've done, be, you know, even shameful because shame isn't necessarily toxic. You know, when it gets to a level, it, it can be. And these negative emotions that we have, understanding that they're only negative because we say they're negative. Like, that's it. They're just, they're just emotions. And being able to sit there for people and just show that it's okay to be human. Like, absolutely. That's what we are. And how far that goes when you just give it to yourself and then you extend it to other people. It's beautiful. Right. It is very beautiful and it creates that life that you can go out and grab. Well, yeah, in everything, it's cool because everything that we've been through in life now, we can offer up. We, 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 can, um, we can relate to our clients. They realize that, oh my gosh, you know, you've been through a lot too. I can do this. We can relate. We didn't have, no one has a perfect life, but we've been through a lot. And um, one of my, one of my, um, one of my sayings that I like is, let me think, let me think about this is, it's the definition of redemption. So redemption is when we, when we help somebody else, their transformation is our redemption. Do you see that? We are redeemed from our past because of um, helping this person transform. We are using our past, the good and the bad, and it's redeemed now that we have helped or coached this other person become transformed through the the good and the bad we've been through. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And that can be applied to parenting too, right? Exactly. How much do we want to redeem ourselves through our children? But then we keep on continuing those cycles that we're like, we're going to redeem. And instead of transforming ourselves to help transform our kids, they continue down. And you see it all like not all necessarily all time but often so that's so powerful i love that i love that so much oh thank you for sharing that that's great sure sure <laughs> it's it's just trying to i always like try to make sense of my past you know because it's like oh you go through all this hard stuff how can you how can you take that hard stuff and then relook at it or give back or you know, and it's kind of like regret, right? So we, I've, another thing is I try not to look at anything from my past as regret. It doesn't mean I don't regret some things, but now I use that to say, I am where I am today. And I love where I am. I love myself today. I love the person I am today. 
because of all those things from the past. You know, mm. I had to go through all those things to get to where I am today. If I had, I, you know, I am the person I am today because of everything in the past, good and bad. I'm going to accept that. And that's, that word's so important. It's so hard to describe to other people too, that acceptance, right? Accept. Right. And internalize that. Right. What, you know, what you're saying, people are going to relate to that and understand it and be able to, with that similar vocabulary, accept themselves as well. And that is, that is a gift that, you know, you can't put a price on, you can't put, you can't even like quantify how much that can help somebody in that first step. Absolutely. So along with coaching, mentoring, and everything on that path, community is so important, especially in life, you know, with mental health, with parenting, with everything in life. Sometimes, especially now we lose sight on how much community means to us. How much did having the community of this naked mind and like-minded individuals, how much did that help you to grow yourself? I will tell you that it was almost everything. And my, one of my, um, another one of my philosophies is that um, we can't do this in isolation. I mean, I, that's just how I feel. I mean, I certainly have tried. I've certainly tried to do this in isolation. You know, I lived in, I felt like I lived in isolation the last five years of when I was drinking. I was just going to work and, you know, I did have my, um, thing. thankfully, I had my friend from AA and we'd walk and talk and stuff, but really I didn't reach out. I was pretty well isolated. And I had, I, when I, I did not know the power of a community. I had no idea. Signing up for the path, I'm clueless. Um, it took me two months to, um, it took me, well, a couple months to get online. And this this was right after I got the coach and she had encouraged me to, you know, just just start putting some stuff out there and um, start interacting with some of the people in the community online, you know, it's okay. Everybody's scared. I wouldn't, I would not even speak. I know you find this hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're going to find this hard to believe. It's it's all part of the transformation. That's all. It's a transformation. (laughs) I would not even speak a year ago at our um, Zoom meetings within our path community. I, I was absolutely terrified to open my mouth. But then again, um, I'm getting off track, but that goes back to the whole thing of alcohol keeps us small, keeps us quiet, keeps us isolated, right? Yes. So all of that alcohol back there, that's what happens to us. And so the community was really everything. And so I just slowly 
got in, um, began to talk on Zoom, started interacting with the people, like-minded people, people just like me. Um, the um, Then we started having so much fun. I just started having so much fun. And we all did posting online. How are we doing? Um, sending encouraging uh, messages. Um, everybody is responding to um, somebody's having a rough day. We were all over time. We were all at different uh, places on our journey up and down and all over the place, but everybody was there to um, support and no matter where you were in your journey. And it was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And through that, I realized that the community to me was everything. And I did not realize how I had isolated myself so much over the last five years with um, with the alcohol and how much I was thinking, oh gosh, I must be a really, really um, introvert. I mean, I still probably am an introvert, I guess maybe extroverted introvert, who knows. But I thought, oh, it's just, I'm isolating myself because I'm just an introvert and don't want to be around people. That is so, so untrue. I just got so much energy, vitality from um, the community and just falling in love with encouraging people. That's where I started noticing it. That's where I started noticing it was within that community. Oh my gosh, I love motivating, encouraging um, others who are on the same journey as me. And also that's through the writing, um, you know, online in our little, uh, it was not Facebook, but whatever the community was called. Yeah. Um, yeah. I realized that I, um, it was a way for me to, to um, express myself in writing. So I, um, I journal, I started journaling at home and uh, being able to express myself. And I just, and then the creativity started pouring in all of these things that I didn't even know were there, rediscovering um, who I truly was. And there were glimpses that I caught of myself that I had remembered from long ago in my uh, 25 years ago, around the time before my husband passed away, when I felt um, more myself. But I feel like over the last 25 years or 20 years, I've lost that. It was cool because there was glimpses of myself that I could remember from way back um, when, you know, um, uh, leading people, motivating people, encouraging people, using my voice, all of that that had been pushed down um, just through life and, and allowing that through alcohol, just being pushed down. So the community was everything. It really was. I think, I think when we start to learn about ourselves, like it's scary, right? Especially because when you admit that I lost myself, so who am I in this? But yes. you said something in there that made me reflect on my journey and resonated with me like at my heart and like opened my eyes to how isolated I made myself like I did. I for 
eight years I isolated myself with, you know, my sobriety, but not just that, like in life, I didn't talk about my stresses. I didn't talk about things about myself. I just kind of hit them. I would have never shown my proton pack in the back, right? Like, because I had a certain quote unquote image to uphold or the box that people wanted to put me in. I allowed myself to be put in, kept me from being me and kept me spinning my wheels, knowing that I need to make a change, knowing there's more, but not knowing where to go with that. And then how do you connect with other people when you can't even connect with yourself and how disconnected and chaotic that is. Yes. But when you start to connect with others and that's, that's what this whole year has been for me is stepping back into creating connections, creating yes. a community, being open to exploring myself, being open to exploring life more find creating my own community, but then also finding other communities and mm-hmm. how much, you know, our class of coaches and training that how we connect on mm-hmm. such deep levels over so much. I mean, there's laughter, there's joking, but then there's serious and there's, and we right. can do all of that. And that's important. It's it's very important in life to be able to do all of that. And when you lose it, sometimes you're like, oh, it's not important until you get, get it back. Yes. Yes. Well, and two, I was just thinking while you were talking, the other thing that the community has done for me is I'm going to use the word inspiration. Yes. It is crazy to me to think that I never truly grasped the word inspiration prior to, I'd say this last year. So for example, the um, I'm de- trying to decorate my house, right? And so you need an inspirational piece to start with. What? What are you talking about? What's inspiration? I have no idea what you're talking about. Remember, I am an accountant. I'm black and white. Well, I was black and white. Um, Everything's exact. I had no idea. Until with a coach and also with a community, the words they would say to me would inspire some kind of thought or feeling, emotion that then I could take and write about or think about and it's inspired and motivated me to do better. But it was through those words of uh, in the community that inspired me. And then um, actually, um, sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking is the word vulnerability. Yeah. Um, what what do you think about that word? I used to be scary. And sometimes I don't think I understand what vulnerability is. Um, just because what's vulnerable to me may not be vulnerable to somebody else. And what's vulnerable to somebody else may not be too vulnerable to me. Um, but 
you know, really the past five, six months embracing vulnerability is true strength, real courage, and allowing myself to be vulnerable with myself, admit that I'm afraid. I never used sure. to admit when I was afraid. I'd be, no, I'm not oh, afraid. That's good. Even though like inside I am scared shitless, right? Like I yeah. mean, I can, I'm moving, but I'm moving because my brain is forcing me to. I'm not moving because my heart is in it. So Absolutely. just little things like that, that they add up to really allow yourself to be vulnerable from a space of, I'm not saying this to one up you, or I'm not saying this because I want you to fix something. I'm saying this to let you know that you're not alone. I'm saying this to um, allow you to understand why I'm making a decision that I'm making or why maybe I think a certain way. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and you think about, we were just talking about connection within our community Remember, vulnerability is what drives connection. Yes. So, you know, you and I have um, in our class have, uh, I don't know, we've just seemed to connect instantaneously. But but there was something about um, um, picking up or embracing each other's uh, vulnerability because that's what drives connection. Because you know, just the niceties of life are that that's fine. And we don't want to be vulnerable with everybody, but if we're wanting true connection and and um um to really um connect with somebody, we, we need to be vulnerable. And of course, there's all kinds of um boundaries around vulnerability about you know what's safe and not safe, but um but our connection. Um, I think you and I saw the vulnerable side of each other within our connection, you know, and maybe our um, our um, desire to um, motivate others or encourage others. That seemed to be there, too, because I, I can feel that from you, too. Yeah. And I really think it's the approach to life as well the sense of humor on top of being able to take the things that we learn and want to share them and yes, increase our vocabulary with how we understand the world. And yeah, Absolutely. you're right. Like opening up with vulnerability, like it, it does lead to a, not just a deeper connection, but an authentic connection that right. you can right. have a conversation that you're laughing one second, crying the next. And then the next time, like you're, you know, you're going to be, I can't believe that, uh, um, you know, that like we went through all of this, but here we are. And that is like, that's the, that is the beauty of connecting with the vulnerability. But as you said, it's important to understand the boundaries on Mm -hmm. how much am I going to be vulnerable I'll step right. out a little bit, see how it is. I can step out a little bit more, but that doesn't mean that you just drop everything at once. Absolutely. Well, and also I kind of, um, I like when I'm, I don't, 
I like to be vulnerable, but it would be typically would be, I need to make sure that I've already processed the stuff internally so that my sadness and grief and like, so that I could, t- like, if I'm talking to you today, so that I could get the words out without crying, because then that means that I, it's so sensitive that it's probably not the appropriate forum to be going into um, something that's that vulnerable. But if it's um, an area or something that's happened to me that I have processed and I have gone through, I've learned through it, I've I've, um, eliminated the shame, then I feel, you know, um, within, you know, yeah, you still have to be careful, but I would be more, um, I would be willing to be vulnerable in those areas. Um, And I think that, that that to me is a determining factor is if it's okay to be vulnerable in certain, but you need to make sure that you've processed it yourself. And I think that in our group didn't, um, they call it a scab versus a wound. So the wound is still open and you're still trying to process. It's just this huge gaping hole. And then a scab is when you're starting to heal it and it, and it um, starts scabbing over and you're starting to heal. That's when I think that I, I feel okay to be, um, to be vulnerable on those types of things. It's a, if it's, if it's an open wound and I have so much shame around it still, that's not something that, that, that would be something I would share with a coach and work through that. That's another thing a coach is for is to work through those deeply, deeply shameful um, things from our, from our life. And, and that's what I did. It took me, it took me a whole year to, um, to dig through um, with my coach, all of, all of those things. So, but that's what's a coach. That that's what another thing a coach is for. Yeah, and you know, there's some things too that therapy can help with as well. So, absolutely. You know, if you sometimes coaches, we have to have boundaries as well, as you said. So, absolutely. If there's something a little too deep, um, you know, we'll guide you to therapy as well. I'm. I mean, I'm in therapy, and I've benefited yep. from it, but. I've benefited so much I more tangibly from coaching. Um, you know, therapy has been very helpful to me, but like just with the coaching and things like that. And I've always wanted to be a coach. Like that's what I enjoyed about my job. That's what I've enjoyed about so much, um, you know, in my life where I'm laughing and smiling is also, you know, helping others to realize their potential as well. Absolutely. Um, well, and then too, one other thing, um, just real quick, talking yeah. about therapy and coaching, it's it's um, very hard to describe the the difference. I've also been in a lot of deep therapy, um, and uh, when I was younger, um, but a coach will take you where you are right now and move you forward. So if you're telling if if you're telling yourself stories and making up stories about your past and the shame, then the coach is taking you from this point today and, and moving you forward and not diagnosing and things like that. That That's kind of how I um, describe it in my mind as far as the difference. Yeah, same, same. That's very similar to how I do. So it's great that we're on the same wavelength there. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're kind of wrapping this up, Karen, what is something that you would like people to take away from listening to this episode? Well, let's see. 
the one the one big thing, of course, is it's never too late and never give up. I mean, I will be, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to be 64 years old next month. I, I still don't I believe am, it. <laughs> yeah, well, I am starting the next phase of my life. It's never too late. I feel like I'm 40. It's never too late. You can do it. Whether you're giving up alcohol, whether you're um, wallowing in your shame, whether you have dreams of doing something that you know you have that's big. It's never too late. And don't give up on that. And also with the alcohol thing, the only failure, because it's a, it can be a journey of ups and downs. Absolutely. Never give up. The only failure is giving up. Keep growing. Keep learning. And that's for everything in your life. And um, it doesn't have to be a chore. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. It's, um, it's way too much fun. That's what I'm saying now. Living, uh, living uh, in, in the present to me means having so much fun um, today that I can't imagine that tomorrow would be any, any uh, more fun than it is today. So to me, that's living in the present. So, yeah, so I think that would be my one, my one big um, thing um, is never give up and it's never too late. And that's what I just want. And I just want to inspire and people to create the life that they've always wanted to live. They know inside and they have it, but now it's um, it's their opportunity. It's it's our opportunity to uncover all those things and to explore and to live large. Stop shrinking. Stop living small. We can create the life that we've always dreamed of. I just want, and to that's sit. what I want to help people do. Yeah, I just want you know I want to sit and soak that in that you can create it right. So um, as my printer finally decides after an hour of sitting there and not printing, it's going to go. Um, hey, that's okay. <laughs> if people want to keep up with you, Karen, where can they find you? Okay, so. Um, right now my website's not quite up yet, but I would love for people to go to my Instagram account and that Instagram account is this alcohol free life. And it's this underscore alcohol free underscore life. And so, um, you'll put that in the notes or yep. whatever, but that'll I be in the show notes so people can find okay. it. I would love for people to catch up with me there. And you can always email me at Karen King at this alcoholfreelife.com. All one word, this alcoholfreelife.com. You can always email me there. I will have my website up um, shortly. It'll be uh, Karen King coaching.com. Um, so um, yeah, please connect with me. Um, every day I um, on Instagram, I write, um, I try to write motivational, inspirational, um, material to um help everybody create their best life and i i love it it's all useful it's things that you can take and implement and it's just it it is inspirational as you say so thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and 
Yes. Really allowing us to connect with you. Like I, I had so much fun, like talking through this stuff as I always do when we talk and, um, yeah, this is, this has been wonderful. So this is untapped keg where we explore different perspectives in sobriety and mental health so that you can take something and implement it into your own life where we believe that the best way for you to make a change, uh, change your relationship with alcohol is the way that works for you. So try it. Cause as Karen said, there's the only failures not trying anymore is giving up and go to untappedkeg.com slash community and be part of the show. Leave an affirmation, leave a mantra. You can do it anonymously, sign up, interact with the things that are going on there. And let me know if there's something that you want me to bring to the show. And I will try to bring that in. So Karen, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's been great. I've had so much fun. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. Love talking to you. (laughs) I'm glad you had fun. So let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least we don't make it. We tried. Have a great week, everybody. I love you. Bye, everybody.